Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Today, we're going to be doing part two of the FLSA exemption deep dive. Yesterday, we checked out kind of what it was, uh, why you would want someone to be exempt, why you wouldn't want someone to be exempt. In this case, we're gonna be diving deep into the administrative exemption. The administrative exemption is the most broadly applicable. It's the one that you see the most often applied. Lots of people fall under it. We're going to first read out kind of the law itself. It's not long, just kind of what what is it that they say, and then we'll be going through and defining those terms so that it's a lot easier to understand. So, the administrative exemption. To qualify for the administrative exemption, all of the following tests must be net, met. <laughs> the employee must be compensated on a salary or fee basis at a rate not less than $684 per week. That's $35,568 per year. If you have anyone on salary at $32,000, you're out of compliance, 35,568 a year. Two, the employee's primary duty must be the performance of office or non-manual work directly related to the general management, uh, to the management or general business operations of the employer or the employer's customers. And the employee's primary duty includes the exercise of discretion and independent judgment with respect to matters of significance. So we're gonna go through each one of those. What does is, what is exercise of discretion and independent judgment, matters of significance mean, right? Like the, each one of these words are important. So the administrative uh, exemption applies only to employees whose primary duty is the performance of office or non-manual work. Let's dive into that first. The exemption does not apply to manual laborers or other blue collar workers who perform work involving repetitive operations with their hands, physical skill, and energy. That stuff not falling under this. For example, employees in production line work, maintenance, construction, similar occupations such as carpenters, mechanics, electricians, plumbers, craftsmen, engineers, operating engineers, not necessarily draft engineers, but operating engineers, construction workers, laborers in general. They are not defined, they're not, they can never be exempt as administrative employees. So administration, office, and non-manual work that's employed in duties that are directly related to management or general business operations. So what does that mean? To meet the directly related to management or general business operations requirement, an employee must perform work directly related to assisting with the running or servicing of the business, as distinguished, for example, from working on a manufacturing production line or selling product in a retail or service establishment. Work directly related to management or general business operations includes, but is not limited to functional areas such as, and I'm gonna give you a long list, tax, finance, accounting, budgeting, auditing, insurance, 
quality control, purchasing, procurement, advertising, marketing, research, safety and health, personnel management, I'm a big fan of that, human resources, employee benefits, labor relations, public relations, government relations, uh, computer network, database, internet administration, legal compliance, regulatory compliance, and similar activities to this. That whole long thing, it, it illustrates uh, the different types of functional areas or departments typically considered administrative in nature. It's not a complete list of exempt areas, nor is it intended as a listing of specific jobs, to be clear. The list shows functional areas or departments that generally relate to management and general business operations. Each case must be examined individually. Don't forget that. There's a line in there. Business operations uh, or management for the employee, employer or employer's customers. This is an important piece. An employee may qualify for the administrative exemption if the employee's primary duty is the performance of work directly related to the management or general business operations of the employer's customers, not just the employer. Thus, employees acting as advisors or consultants to their employer's clients or customers as uh, or, or, or working with their customers or clients as a tax expert, financial consultant, benefits consultant, for example, may be exempt. The customer may be an individual rather than a business as long as the work performed relates to management or general business operations. So it can be a sole proprietorship. The exemption would not apply when the client or customer's business is purely personal, uh, but having said that, providing expert advice to a small business owner, sole proprietor regarding management, general business operations, would be the same exempt administrative function. So you can do this for your employer or for, the, uh, for their client. My camera turned off. There you go. Live. All right. <clears throat> now, this is the last piece, and it's very important. We've talked about what they have to be paid, what they need to be doing, what departments and kind of functional roles they're in. And now, part of it is that the exercise and discretion of independent judgment is required on matters of significance. That's the last part. We're going to take matters of significance separate from independent judgment. Let's talk about independent judgment first. Independent judgment involves the comparison and evaluation of possible courses of conduct and acting or making a decision after the various possibilities have been considered. That's the definition. The exercise of discretion and independent judgment implies that one has the authority to make an independent choice, free from immediate direct supervision. The exercise of discretion and independent judgment must be more than use of a skill in applying well-established techniques, procedures, or specific standards described in manuals or other sources. The term must be applied in the light of all the facts of the employee's particular situation. Let's talk about maybe some of those factors to consider. If the employee, whether the employee has the authority to formulate, affect, interpret, or implement management policies or operating procedures. They have to be able to do are all those things. Uh, whether the employee carries out major assignments in conducting the operations of the business. Whether the employee performs work that affects business operations to a substantial degree. Whether the employee has authority to commit the employer in matters that, are, that have significant impact. That's a big one. Whether the employee has authority to waive or deviate from established policies and procedures without prior approval. If they cannot waive or deviate from the procedure, guess what? They're not going to be administratively exempt because they're not exercising discretion and independent judgment. 
whether the employee has authority to negotiate and bind the company on significant matters, whether the employee provides consultation or expert advice to management, whether the employee is involved in planning long or short-term business objectives, whether the employee investigates and resolves matters of significance on behalf of management, whether the employee represents the employer in handling complaints, arbitrating disputes, or resolving grievances. The fact, so those are all the things that imply that this is, a ma that this is independent judgment. If you go through and, and say, my employee doesn't do any of that, you're probably a bad employee. But no, either their job is, is designed that way, in which case maybe they're doing great at it, um, and they're hourly. They're not an exempt employee under that. But if you have an employee who's doing all of those things constantly, and they're paid more than $684 a week, $35,568 a year, you got an exempt employee. I guess I should put a caveat. That's the federal number. Every state is different. Um, some states, like California, that number is much higher, like 54000 a year, uh, going up to fifty-eight in 2022. So 35568 is the federal number, and a lot of states fall under that. But if your state has a higher minimum wage, it probably has a higher FLSA exempt wage. Caveat. Let's go back to all those things they do. You're like, well, I have employees who do that, but they come to me and I make the decision. That's fine. The fact that an employee's decisions are revised or reversed after review does not mean that the employee is not exercising discretion and independent judgment. For example, the credit policies formulated by the credit manager of a large corporation, they're going to be reviewed by a higher company official who could approve or disapprove these policies. Even a management consultant who you bring in uh, who has studied the operations of a business and proposes changes in the organization, that is independent judgment and discretion, even if the plan is then reviewed or revised by superiors before it's submitted to the client. These factors do not detract from the fact that the work of these employees includes the exercise of discretion and independent judgment. Now, uh, with respect to matters of significance directly related to the management or general business operations. Now, this is the next part of that. So great, they make, good, they make decisions all the time. Independent judgment. It's got to be about matters of significance. The terms matter of significance refers to the level of importance or consequence of the work performed by the management or general business operations of the employer or the employer's customers. An employee does not exercise discretion and independent judgment with respect to matters of significance merely because the employee will experience some sort of financial loss if the employee fails to perform the job properly. For example, a messenger who's entrusted with carrying large sums of money does not exercise discretion and independent judgment with matters of significance even though serious consequences may result from him choosing to take a left instead of a right and running into a truck. If the employee is neglectful, it could screw you up. That's okay. An employee who operates very expensive equipment does not exercise discretion and independent judgment with respect to matters of significance merely because the improper performance of the employee's duties may cause serious financial loss to the employer. It has to be um, it has to, it, it's not, it's the, the key is that they are making independent judgments and that there is a potential for large, serious financial. The financial loss by itself does not get you there. It has to be the independent judgment and the financial loss to create matters of significance. Uh, I want to take a little detour and talk about the educational uh, establishment for a minute. Uh, if you are not an educational establishment, you are all set here. You know what you need to know. You can look at your people. 
your administrators and go, are you an administrator? Do you get paid enough? Do you fall under that uh, definition? Are they, uh, uh, are they exercising uh, independent judgment on matters of significance? You're done. If you're a school, I want to give you a little bit of extra. The administrative exemption is available to employees compensated, uh, like I said, at the, that rate of 684 per week. But in a school, or on a salary basis, which is at least equal to the entrance salary for teachers in the same educational establishment, 684 a week may be higher. If you're using that standard, you'll also check that their primary duty is the administrative functions directly related to academic instruction or training in an educational establishment. So you can use this lower, possibly, salary or, um, yeah, it doesn't have to be the, the 684 a week. It could be whatever your entry-level teacher makes. But you have to look at that and go, all right, they have to be performing administrative functions directly related to academic instruction or training. That means um, academic operations and functions in the school rather than the administration along lines of general business operations. These general, uh, these academic administration functions include operations directly in the field of education. Outside of educational field are not within the definition of academic administration. So uh, let's talk about some of those engaged in academic administrative functions. Those would be superintendents or heads of elementary, secondary school systems, any assistants responsible for administrations of matters of curriculum, quality, methods of instruction, measuring or testing the learning potential uh, and achievement of students, establishing and maintaining academic or grading standards, uh, any other aspect of the teaching program. Principals and vice principals responsible for the operation of an elementary or secondary school. Department heads and institutions of higher education. They're responsible for the administration of, say, the mathematics department or the English department. Fine. Academic counselors who perform work such as administrating, administrating school testing programs, assisting students with academic problems, and advising students concerning degree requirements. Other employees with similar job responsibilities is the broad catch-all there. Those are your academic um, administrative exemptions. Very special key. Jobs related to building management, maintenance, jobs related to the health of the students and staff, uh, such as social workers, psychologists, lunchroom managers, and dietitians who do not perform academic uh, administrative functions do not fall under this. So keep that in mind. This is a different thing. Educational establishment, let's define that. People ask me, well, am I a school? That's defined as an elementary or secondary school system or an institute of higher learning or an other educational institution. Ed elementary and secondary schools are defined uh, as those day or residential schools that provide elementary or secondary education as determined under state law. Under the laws of most states, such education includes the curriculums in grades 1 through 12, though many, it also includes introductory programs in nursery school and kindergarten. Other educational establishment, those are um, that you, you know, you're like, well, what's that mean? Those are normally educational establishments for uh, the mentally or physically disabled or gifted children. Uh, regardless of any such classifications as elementary, secondary, or higher, those special education schools fall under that. Um, if you're looking at post-secondary, like career programs or educational institutions, that includes whether the state is licensed by the state agency responsible for the state's educational system or accredited by a nationally accredited organization for career schools. Basically, the law just outsources that. 
No distinction in this is drawn between public and private schools or between those oriented for profit or those not for profit. Doesn't matter. So we let's recap. We talked about the administrative exemption from beginning to end. Who gets it? How much you have to pay them? What they need to be doing? What those terms mean? Then we went over to the academic exemption and said this is for academic administrators. It allows them to have a lower salary if needed uh, and give special roles for academic administrators. We talked about what it was not. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rami Alijil. I appreciate you tuning in. Please check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Mark the like button down below. Hit subscribe. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please drop us a review. I would so appreciate it. A very small percentage of our listeners review us on any uh, uh, of the various social medias. And it, it, um, it would be so helpful if you would. I'd very much appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.